0: Nothing on the Bonnell Foundation's Living with Cystic Fibrosis podcast should be considered medical advice. Medical advice can only come from your CF physician. Cystic fibrosis can be a devastating diagnosis, but living with the disease can bring positivity and a new appreciation for each day. From the Bonnell Foundation in Detroit, Michigan, it's the Living with Cystic Fibrosis podcast sponsored by Beatrice, Genentech, and Vertex. Here's your host, Laura Bonnell.
1: Imagine having children with cystic fibrosis and living in another country. In your country, they don't have CF medications, and maybe only a handful of people have been diagnosed with the disease. Even testing equipment is difficult to come by. Doctors in your country don't have the knowledge about CF, and basic medications... Aren't accessible. The Bonnell Foundation and others have worked tirelessly to raise awareness and to make change in many Middle Eastern countries, but it is a slow process. And this is why we're excited to tell you about the nonprofit that Dr. Golnar Raisi and her husband created to help them at their CF clinic in Stanford, Connecticut. They put together the Bridge of Hope to extend the same treatment that people are getting in the U.S. to people living in other countries who have limited resources. And doing great work with Dr. Raisi is Bean Corcoran, who instructs people how to send unexpired medications, and the organization will pay for shipping. Bean also works with people who are applying to the CF Bridge of Hope. Bean also has an adult son, Will, who has cystic fibrosis. CF Bridge of Hope is currently helping people in Romania, Guatemala, Ukraine, Pakistan, and Iran, just to name a few of the countries where she's helping people with cystic fibrosis. So welcome to Dr. Golnar Raisi and to Bean Corcoran. So glad to have you both on this program. I thank you, Bean, for introducing me to this wonderful doctor. It's great to learn about everything you're doing. So welcome.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for giving us this opportunity and inviting us to this program.
1: Thanks. I just think it's wonderful. Like this is where my heart is as well, helping other people with CF in other countries. It's so sad and disappointing to say the least and heartbreaking to see situations where people don't get the same CF medications. And Dr. Rayizi, tell me how you and your husband started this nonprofit and why.
2: So we started 2011. That was the time that my husband, Dr. Hossein Sadegi, he started to see patients from different countries coming here and they did not have right treatment. They were not on right medication. And also we traveled to different parts of the world for different conferences. So we saw the need for that. So 2011, we started the program with the help of a couple of lawyers from Kravitz, Swain and more in New York City. So they helped us to put this program together.
1: First, tell me what you do.
2: So by training, I'm an integrative physician and the president of the foundation, Dr. Sadeghi. he is pediatric pulmonologist and he's the head of the CF at Columbia University. So what we do is uh, with this foundation, which is called Bridge of Hope, it's a global program. We bring children from all over the world uh, to this country for 10 days or two weeks of treatment. It used to be two weeks before COVID, but now it is about 10 days. So patients apply to this program and Ms. Cochran looks at the application. We have a guideline for that, that, you know, guideline for, for patients that can apply to this program, meaning that their situation, their CF, cannot be advanced, and we'd rather to catch them in a much younger age so we can start the right treatment and give them the right medication, guideline, and education. So the program is really a lot of education, right? For them, and hopefully, we started as an educational and helping this patient, and we give them all the tools and all the paperwork when they go back to the country so their local physician can see that either work with us reach out to us, allow us to reach out to them. Or this is really a a small measurement till the therapy, the right treatment gets applied in their own country. So this is how it started. Started small and now, you know, we have a lot of applicants. So when we started, as I said, it took, you know, two years for the first patient to come, right? Would you like me to go further about that patient? Yes, please. Yes, tell us
1: about that first patient. Thank you.
2: It's very difficult for Iranian patients to get a visa. So this was our first applicant to the program. And this was a young man. Uh, Senator Blumenthal's office helped a lot with obtaining the visa. And he came here. He came for two weeks, full treatment. And he lived for two years. And it's very interesting that he said that the two years that he lived, in this country for treatment. He was here for treatment. He said, that was the first time that I was cough-free. So, it was very touching because this young man, he was 22. He coughed all his life, all his life. And these two weeks were the only time that he did not cough or his cough was managed, basically. But due to various reasons, lack of medication and all that in Iran, he passed away. Then, we started to get more applicant. We started to get, you know, patient from country of Georgia was our second patient. And then from Ecuador, from Guatemala, Peru, Trinidad, Lebanon, Palestine, and Romania. So we get all these applications. So we discuss the application. We give the patient a a virtual appointment. So we see the patient, the mom and dad. And we talk about their situation. So sometimes we give, you know, two, three uh, Zoom appointments before we make the decision. And then when we make the decision, you know, Ms. Cochran, she's in constant contact with them. So most patients, they have to obtain visa to come to this country. Some of them, it takes a long time. Um, Some of them, it's hard for them to get a, you know, visa. But I think at this point, most U.S. embassies, they know about our program. So they are granting them a visa much easier than before, especially if the patient is from uh, South America. They grant them a visa, you know, based on whatever country they are from. So they come here. From the time that they come here, the Wilton Interface, the WEACT group, they're wonderful volunteers that we have. So they help with accommodation, with uh, bringing them to our office in Stamford, Connecticut providing meals for them, providing transportation. And usually we give them three to four appointments in that 10 days. The first appointment, of course, is a long one, three hours appointment. Then, uh, Because that day is a lot of education, examining the patient, Uh uh, doing all the blood works, right? And we go from there. So yeah, I can tell you easily that three hours, the first session, two hours, you know, on the following appointments. So it's a long, long appointment. And it's a lot of information for the patient. In addition to everything you're doing, they have jet
1: lag. I know that is not like a huge concern of theirs because they're probably so happy to just get medication, but it's all that travel and jet lag. And then they're here for 10 days and then go back. But Please continue about, you know, what you do when they do arrive here. It's so interesting.
2: Absolutely. So, from the time that we accept them and we send them the acceptance, you know, letter. So two letters goes to them. One is acceptance to congratulate them uh, that they've been accepted to Bridge of Hope program, and the second one is for their visa application. So the appointment dates are in that application, right? They go to the embassy You know, they make an appointment, they get a visa, and they come here. So from the time that they come here, so Mia Skorkman is really in charge of all that because she's in constant contact with patients through WhatsApp or email. Most patients know WhatsApp these days, so she's in um, contact through WhatsApp with them. And it's much easier for them because some countries, to get online, the internet sometimes is on, is off. So phone, we found phone is the easiest way to, you know, contact them. So if we pick them up from the airport, we usually send the driver. Either they used to stay in town of Wilton for the duration of 10 days. Uh But right now, we try to put them in a hotel close to town of Wilton. So from the time that they arrive here, the next day, the whole visit starts. So the, the next day when they come to the office, you're right. They have jet lag, they have this, but I have to tell you, My experience with each of these patients from different countries, and they come far, you know, like, for example, the patient that came from Georgia or from Lebanon. They traveled, you know, 13, 14 hours, and usually it's not a direct flight, so they have to fly to another country and then come here. They are so grateful. They're so happy that even that part doesn't even discuss. So from the time they come here, the first thing we do, we do all the blood works, right? So we do the blood work. And then after that, they get examined by Dr. Sadeghi. Uh, there is a lot of forms that they have to fill out, consent, assent, and then we have to explain to them again what the program is again. Although you know that has been up, uh, explained to them through, you know, virtually. But again, we explain to them how we do it here, a full introduction. And Dr. Sadeghi always asks them, or if or I ask them, what do they know about CF again, right? So, a lot of them, they know very basic, but they don't know a whole lot. They don't know why this is happening, right? So, we talk about that, you know, about what CF is. And the treatment starts right there, which Ms. Corcoran will go into further discussion about, you know, giving them therapeutic vests and all that. We teach them that. Usually, we try to do it on the first day because while they're here, right, we make sure that they understand that they're here for treatment. So we really want them to use that therapeutic vest, that physical therapy, for four days. Because Dr. Like Sadegi focuses on nutrition and physical therapy. Most patients they are very low in weight. Their BMI is very low, right? They come from a limited uh, resource countries, right? So you can imagine the weights are very low. So we give them supplemental shakes as well as you know food and all that. Uh, but they understand that they have to do the treatment. So the first day we give them the vest uh, and they start doing it You know, while they're here because most of them, they don't even know what it is, right? And we have to calibrate it, make sure that they can tolerate it.
1: I was also wondering when you're, and just to clarify, Dr. Kadiki, that's your husband, correct? Sadeki, yes. I also had another question before we get to, and Bean explains all of what she's going to explain they have to have a diagnosis before they can come on this program because I know there is a problem getting diagnosed in some countries. So how does that work?
2: So we ask them, yes, when they apply to the program, right, Mm -hmm. they have to send us all that information, their stool elastics. Most countries, they don't even offer that stool elastics, right? So uh, we go by the sweat test. We go by the stool analysis. Stool elastase, They have to send us their latest either chest X-ray and blood work, the blood work, the sputum culture, the PFDs, anything that can you know help us to have our first meeting with them, right? Mm -hmm. And their of course their age and genetics, which you know some of them they've done it, some of them not, and they usually we would love them to provide us with their uh, doctor's name. We want them to let their doctor know that they're applying to this program. So if the doctors are willing to work with us and the daily routine, the amount of medication that they take. And so based on that, we make the decision and we give them a Zoom appointment. But usually on the first or second Zoom appointment, we don't make the decision of bringing them. After that, we have another meeting and we decide based on that.
1: Okay. And I think it's a good time for Bean to talk about the application process and how that goes. And then, Dr. Reisi, we will get back to you and explaining more. But Bean, kind of walk us through that process, what people need to know if they want to apply to this program, and then, you know, what they're expected to do to kind of make it through, you know, to getting picked to come here to the U.S.,
0: Okay. Thank you, Laura. It's good to be here with you and Dr. Reyesi. So I work together with my friend Ellen, who's been with the CF Bridge of Hope for quite some time, and she is the one that handles the applications coming in. So in the website cfbridgeofhope.org, we have an application process And it originates with a square space where they basically reach out to us and let us know they want to apply. And Ellen helps them to figure out the application and fill that out. And we have, as Dr. Reyesi mentioned, a lot of documents that we require that they give us, including a passport with an expiration date that's reasonable for them to come, and then all of the blood work and the things that Dr. Reyesi requires to look at with Dr. Sadegi so that they can see that, in fact, this is a CF patient and it may be that we can help them. Then Dr. Rayesi meets with them by Zoom, as she mentioned, at least once, maybe up to three times. And one of the things that we're looking for, along with their health and wellness, is whether they are in need of a nonprofit like ours, whether they are in fact unable to afford to come to the U.S. or unable to come to the U.S. on their own for medical care. So seeing the family in the Zoom and making some judgments from that is important too, and we found that over time. When they're accepted, as Dr. Reyes had mentioned, you know, we help them with the visa process. And then that's where I kind of come in, being in touch with them, telling them what is going to be required, what the timing looks like. We're trying to find an appointment, which is also not very easy because Dr. Sadegi and Dr. Rayesi have their own patients in the U.S. and they're very busy doctors as it is. So for them to make time for this nonprofit work is challenging. As well as the staff that they have in the offices at the CF Center at the Tully Center in Stamford, Connecticut. Once we know that we have a patient coming, I'm in touch with Rod Spattinger at CF Vests Worldwide and putting an order in for a vest for this patient. So we need their chest measurements, which they give us. And we also have a new partner, Children's Flight of Hope. And They are a fabulous organization willing to give us airline tickets for patients who can't afford them as long as they're under 18 years old. And once they apply to Children's Flight of Hope, they can fly when they need to for medical care, both for CF and other medical care, until they're 18, as often as they need to.
1: What kind of waiting list do you have for this program?
0: We don't really have a waiting list. Well, per se, it's really more about the ability to get the visa in some countries. Sometimes it's very hard to do that, and it may take up to a year for them to actually physically get it, even to get their appointment. Okay. And then when we've accepted a patient it's not so much that they're on a waiting list because Dr. Sadegi is already caring for them from here to some degree. So he's, you know, making recommendations. If someone's traveling to their country and we can get them a vest, we're going to do that right away. But basically the vest either goes in hand with the patient or in hand with a relative or friend who's traveling to that country. We're not really able to send it via FedEx or other means in the mail. But as far as patients currently, in the past couple of years, we've been able to help and care for about, would you say, 26 patients, Dr. Reyesi? I think that's about right currently, aside from the ones that we care for also in Iran. That's wonderful.
2: Uh, Yes. I would say the bridge of all patients that they travel here, I would say anywhere between Yes, 26 to 30 because, uh, yes, 30 patients, right? Yes. So you're just kind of
1: introducing them to the care that they're going to have in that 10-day period. Now they've met with you, you've introduced the vest to them. I also wondered if for some reason you can't get a vest, do you do teach them chest physical therapies? Is the flutter an option?
2: Absolutely. You know, regardless of vest, they definitely, Dr. Sadeghi teaches them the manual and he reviews with them. So this is very really interesting. Whatever Dr. Sadeghi does, you know, from the time of examining them, looking at the previous blood work, the new blood work, sputum culture, PFDs, the genetics, examining them, manual, and, you know, looking at the, you know, explaining, for example, their x-rays, right? He makes sure that because most patients that they come here, they come from you know countries that they they don't speak English, right? So we always have a translator too, and they're part of the volunteers. So he makes sure that patient. He asks them again, "Show me how you use your albuterol." So the patient physically, you know, the albuterol that is been given to them by Bridge of Hope, they show it to him. You know, so these are the things that happens in the second person visit, right? So patients show him how they use it, how they use the, for example, Albuterol, this space. He teaches the manual physical therapy, and he wants them to perform it in front of him again. And he does that for four appointments. So he reviews everything with them so they understand what they're doing again. We write down everything and we give it to them. You know, it's all printed. But again, what happens is he goes over all that with them again. So there is no question. And he gives, you know, time for question and answer. So as you can see, it's very difficult to make the time, right? I mean, we would have loved to bring even more patients. But financially and time-wise, it's just, it's impossible for us to do that. So that's why we're trying to bring one or two patients per month. I mean, we have had in the past three patients, you know, per month. If the doctors from different parts of the country they refer a you know global patient to us, sure. so we've done that. But again, it's very time consuming, and all the medications, for example, the enzymes, the vitamins that is given to them, because most of these patients, I can tell you, ninety-five percent of these patients are on such a low enzymes because they cannot get it in their countries. Or they have, you know, how we have here the variety of, you know, digestive enzymes, they don't have it. They have very low, usually they have 10,000. So what happens is, you know, when we give it to them, we have to explain to them how to use it. If, for example, if the patient to even talk about the conservation, lose a stool, a lot of things, you know, that gets discussed on different appointments, right?
1: Yeah, it's basic, the enzymes. Like I found out in Egypt when the nutritionists initially started talking about putting enzymes in applesauce, there was a panic in the room of parents because they don't have a lot of applesauce, if at all, they have hummus. So you have to make sure you're talking to the right materials that the person lives in in that country like hummus is fine you know put the enzymes in the hummus right
2: absolutely see we learn about their culture even if it's for an hour half hour an hour before when we know that they're coming here so at least we get familiar with their culture a little bit with their religion because most countries these patients are uh, coming from a religious background which you know god plays a very big part in their life right so we talk about all that. Actually, up to pre-COVID, uh, we had the Reverend, Reverend Elaine Barnum. She used to be part of the Bridge of Hope. And she would, you know, especially for the younger kids, she would try to get to know them, little maybe prayer with them, or do some coloring with them, something, you know. So because think about it, coming from a different country, that you don't speak the language totally different culture and you're coming for treatment and you don't have any family relatives, nobody here, right? So suddenly you come here and just for 10 days, 10 days of treatment. So it is really difficult. It is really difficult. We do screen them for mental health. Whatever we do for our patient in this country, right? We absolutely do the same thing for our global patient. So we do screen them for anxiety, depression, we talk about that, we make recommendations, nutritionist, social work, CF nurse, so everything, the routine checkup that happens here for our person with CF, we do the same thing for our global patient. And I have to tell you a lot of education about infection control, right? Because most of these patients, when they come here in their own country, they all sit next to each other in, in, for a visit, right? So we teach about that from the time that we gown and we glove, we teach them why we're doing this. So they're not afraid that what's going on. So we teach them about that. And why we don't shake hands or why we do, you know, fist, you know, shake hands. A lot of that too. Yes. Yeah. Just to keep
1: protection. That was another thing. I'm going uh, keep talking about Egypt because that was my first experience out of the United States seeing CF patients. But you know, they were not supposed to bring their children when they met with the doctors that came from the U.S. and all of us. But they did because they didn't have anywhere to have anybody watch their kids. So there was a room full of CF kids in the same room, which was so different from what I know, right? Here in the United States, the kids aren't in the same room. So yeah, that is interesting and in that you had to teach them why and explain it and kind of go from there.
2: Yeah, we even did it, you know, when we went to Ecuador for a conference and to see patients there uh, in town of Cuenca. So that happened there, too. So we had to teach them from scratch. They cannot be in the same room, you know, in the hospital, in the visitation room. So, yeah, that part of infection control gets to be taught to the physician, to the healthcare workers, to the families, their reasoning, you know, and all that. And when you explain to the families, they understand that. So they really, you know, then our patients, you know, that they, they teach their healthcare workers. You know, when we went to America, this happened. This was how they did it. So whether, you know, they can apply it to that system. But we really try to be very respectful because remember, each country has its own limitation. And we don't want to be the police of every, you know, CF center in different countries, and we don't want to be disrespectful. That's how they operate. But you know, if we can just do a little bit of teaching about that infection control, we go a long way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, we've done that. You know, when we've traveled to Iran to see patients, as I said, you know, on the, to the families and to the patients. Even you know, it's very interesting. Even the younger kids, when they come here, they learn that. So. Even when they go back, the younger kids tell the, you know, healthcare workers.
1: And I want to hear from both of you on this question. But first, uh, Dr. Raisi, we'll start with you. But what does it do to you emotionally? How do you feel when these patients come in and you see them and then you send them back with the hopes that they'll still be able to try and stay healthy?
2: To bring hope, I mean, I'm sure Bin will explain that more because she's a mom, right? And hope, hope, hope is the most important thing that we can bring to these families. And it's very interesting that when the families, they understand that there are people, there are physicians, there are families in this country, because America stands for good. You know, we do a lot of good in this country and we do a lot of good for others in different countries. So when when they realize that, okay, you know, there are people here that they care for them and we really care for them. I mean, I can talk about myself because I'm a religious person for the sake of God. They understand that. They can relate to that. And when they come here, they see that the physicians are very caring for them. They spend hours and hours with them. You know, one time, you know, like, for example, uh, Miss Cochran was on the virtual with us. We were talking to a patient in a country of Uzbekistan. We were on virtual one Saturday morning for four hours. So that gives them a lot of hope. That patient could not even come here. Uh, But the patients that they come here, it's a hope. You give them, you know, right treatment. And then we continue with them. So we don't just tell them, okay, let's see you next year. They're in constant contact with being through WhatsApp. And then we check their height, weight, their well-being, if they're sick, uh, we try to talk to their doctors, you know, if they're willing to work with us. So the whole year till we see them, you know, in the following year, they're really on a... Dr. Sadiq always says, you know, just think that you're phone away from me. So let us know how you feel, you know, if you're sick, this, that. And he has worked with doctors in different countries. Like He is working with a doctor in Lebanon, for example, in Guatemala, in Ecuador, as we speak. So he has made that connection. And in Pakistan, so he had made that connections with them. So that makes it so much easier. And you sort emotionally what he does, you know, good and bad. I mean, it's very difficult to see, especially when the patient comes for 10 days and you see them every day and you see what the struggles they go through, right? So emotionally, you you get so attached to the patient, right? So it is emotional, but you know that... You know, when they leave, they leave with such a hope, with medication, right? Treatment. So that really, you know, brightens your whole well-being, right? hmm And, you know, Bean and I,
1: I have two daughters with CF. Bean has a son with CF. If they were growing up in Egypt or Iran or any of the Middle Eastern countries, they probably wouldn't be alive. Our kids probably would not be alive if they were not born in the United States. And that breaks my heart, knowing that parents that I've met, that one in particular parent I talked to from Egypt just a couple weeks ago, three of their kids with CF already died and the fourth one is hoping and praying for a lung transplant. So, being as a CF mom, you know, what's the joy and the sadness that you feel when you are helping them through this process?
0: Well... As Dr. Racy mentioned, sometimes I join them on a Zoom appointment in order to see what's happening with the family. And seeing children and young adults in another country who are so thin, really look so sick, sometimes can be really, frankly, very devastating. But the way that our work is geared, it gives me hope. And I hope we give them hope that they can come to us, that Dr. Sadegi and Dr. Rayesi have a plan to help them. So helping them makes me feel so much gratitude and so happy that, you know, it's very emotional. <clears throat> it's not an easy job, but the good that comes out of it makes it all feel so worth it. You know, and it's not easy only because you hate to see someone suffering the way that people in these other countries often do, as you mentioned, Laura. You know, we're so lucky here in the U.S. when our children grow up with the proper amount of enzymes. They get to go to appointments every other month or quarterly. You know, they have insurance. They have care. They get the new medications that come forward that are available for their genome. But these people in the other countries that we try to assist don't have any of that until we come forward and help them. So it's very, very meaningful. And I am so grateful for Dr. Sadeghi and Dr. A C that they began this and that they include me in their work. I'm really very, very happy and it gives me real fulfillment.
2: Well, we are so thankful to you, Bean. Thank you. We cannot do this without you. You know that. Yes, you are a big and important part of this program.
0: Well, one nice part of my job is that the patients do check in with me on a regular basis, generally monthly, with weight and height and letting me know if there's any major issue. I'm sort of like a little bit like the mother to all of them now because I encourage them. How are they? I hope they're well. I always talk, you know, in an email about you know, I hope this is a good day for you. Like I try to keep it very upbeat as I do with my son. I've learned a lot about how to respond and get along with someone with a chronic illness by taking care of my own son, Will. So it feels really good to sort of be their partner now in this illness and they're not alone anymore.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the work you two, is three of you or, you know, I know it's more than that, but are doing is fantastic. And Dr. Reisi, what if somebody who's listening says, oh my gosh, I know someone in Turkey or wherever it is and they want to be helped by you. If they're accepted, do they all go to your clinic or can they go to other clinics? How does that part of it work?
2: So if somebody wants to be seen right by Dr. Sadeghia and our team, yes, they have to apply through Bridge of Hope. And yes, they come to our clinic here in Stanford, Connecticut. Other clinics, really, I cannot give you that information because I just don't know. But Bridge of Hope, we see our patients in our Stanford clinic. And absolutely anybody that we can help from different countries, but they have to apply to the program mm-hmm. and they have to be a patient because as uh, been mentioned, giving them appointment is difficult. And then how we prioritize, you know, one family over the others sometimes because of, you know, the situation of the family, you know, the person see it So they can all apply. We review everything. And, you know, if they have the criteria, then we accept them to the program.
1: And I think we've only just touched on all that you are both doing. And there's so much more information in our show notes. We have your website and contact information so people can get to you. But, Bean, I know there's even more. You also ask people to send unopened and medications that are not expired. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, they can go to cfbridgeofhope at gmail.com and let me know they have medication that's not expired and not opened, and I can send a rec for them to mail it to us. And then we can give that medication that's not being used to someone that needs it. So Hope at gmail.com. And Dr. Reisi,
1: you know, this podcast has zoomed by. you said so many wonderful things, but is there anything that we didn't touch on that you want to mention about CF Bridge of Hope or what you're doing or what people should know when they apply? And I guess I had another question too. Do they come back every year or is it only this one 10 day visit
2: Yes, they come back every year. We try to bring them once a year. We try to come, yes, once a year. And I have to tell you, all these patients that we have cared for for many years, they usually, their weight goes up, their lung function gets better. None of these patients that, you know, we have seen, uh, thankfully, have been uh, hospitalized. So, because patients are very compliant. I have to tell you this part too, which I forgot to mention. And we try to bring patients that the family and the child is compliant. So that compliance is the key to this. And these families are very compliant. As been mentioned, she's in constant contact with them, right? At least monthly. To know how they're doing, their weight, their height. You know, anything and everything they've done. If they've been sick, what they eat, their diet. And most of these patients come from uh, food insecure countries, right? Food insecurity is very big. And uh, even as Ms. Cochran mentioned, any unopened medication, unexpired, and also if any of those protein shakes that the patients don't use, we welcome them as well because again, you know, we can give it to these patients, right? Most of these patients are underweight. They have malnutrition. So that would be really appreciated by us too, if we can get that as well. I think you've touched on everything and it's an honor. It's a great work. It's a, you know, I always say it's a grace of God that, you know, that we live in this country and we have the ability to do this because it's just wonderful, you know, satisfying work that, you know, all of us with the interface, with the React group, with the volunteers that from the drivers uh, to the translator to people, you know, bring them uh, to the office, taking them back to the hotel, providing meals for them uh, with open arms, with such a, you know, smile. That nature of true American, you know, that is so hospitable and kind to them, they really show that to each patient.
0: It's wonderful. You are both doing great work. Thank you both. And Dr. Ray C and her husband, Dr. Sadegi's whole family also volunteer and help with CF Bridge of Hope, which is really very beautiful.
1: It is. And any last words, Bean, that you wanted to
0: talk about as far as the nonprofit goes? Uh, No, I think Dr. Riesi did a good job explaining how we're caring for these patients and we look forward to meeting new patients that we can care for in the future. And I appreciate you so much having us here, Laura. Thank you.
2: Yes. You gave us this opportunity to talk about something that we both passionately care and love. Really. Thank you both.
1: You're doing such great work. The CF community is so lucky to have you all. And I'm sure that you're going to help more people as people hear about this through our podcast. So thank you both. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you very much. The original music in this podcast is performed by Kevin Allen. It's not complicated. Who happens to have cystic fibrosis? We
0: all got our worries and fears. I know what's got you frustrated. But loving you was so all right. This has been the Living with Cystic Fibrosis podcast. For more information and to learn more about the Bonnell Foundation, visit our website at thebonnellfoundation.org. That's the B-O-N-N-E-L-L foundation.org. This podcast was sponsored by Beatrice, Genentech, and Vertex. It was produced by Jagged Detroit Podcasts. Follow our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now.